0: supposed to do today so that's what I'm doing and we are going to be talking about the zeal the zeal that we have for the Lord the zeal he has for us and the zeal that we have for him so God's desire truly is to have an intimate a passionate a profound relationship with us He loves us dearly. And he created us to have an intimate, passionate relationship with him, to walk in fellowship with him, to walk in communion with him. And so, that's what we're going to talk about today, but guess what? Guess what? Thanks! He is not the one that determines the level of intimacy that you have with him. He is not the one that determines that. You are the one that determines that. He desires it, but you're the one that determines it. And scripture tells us in James 4.8, see this is easy. He doesn't make it difficult. It's very easy. The scripture in four eight said, James four eight says, "Draw near to me, and I will draw near to you." It's very, very simple. We draw near to God, and He draws near to us. Um, when you're born again, after you're born again, okay, you, you're a, a newly created individual, right? When you're born again, your spirit is a newly created because He puts His very spirit character you, right? You're a new creation. So after we're born again, we have a task, and it is to develop our relationship with God and to draw nigh unto him. He will never, ever force himself upon us. We must develop a heart. We have to develop our heart. We have to develop a heart for the things of God. And we have to protect the zeal in our hearts from being dulled by the world's beckonings because the world will beckon you. The, the world doesn't want to let go of you. Right? The world, wants, once you're planted in the new kingdom, you've been, when you're born again, you're, you're transferred from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light, but that kingdom of darkness wants to draw you back, doesn't it? But you want to continue in zeal for the Lord. And so we have to protect that zeal from the onslaught of the chaos in the world, in the world around us, not in the believer. The chaos doesn't get into you, right? So we are the ones that choose the level of our commitment, the level of our communion, the level of our intimacy with God. He wants to be closer to you than you could ever imagine. He yearns for you. He longs for you. He's passionate about you. He loves you with an undying love, with a never-changing love. Regardless of what you ever do, his love for you never changes. His love is after you. James 4, 5 says, listen, or do you think the scripture says without reason, okay? Is there anything in the scripture that the Lord has put there without reason? No, absolutely not. So do you think scripture says without reason that he jealously longs for the spirit he has caused to dwell in us. So he has caused his spirit to dwell in you. Do you think that he does not jealously long for communion with that, with you? That's a question. No. No, not at all. He placed his spirit in you, and he jealously longs, zealously longs for that spirit which he has caused to dwell in us, to breathe, to move, to talk, to walk, to exist in intimate, connected fellowship every moment of every day with him. He designed us for fellowship. You are designed for fellowship. Your spirit is created to fellowship. Your spirit has the capacity to fellowship with the Lord in a greater depth than you can ever imagine. It's not limited. It's not limited. And he has placed in your spirit the the capacity to fellowship intimately with him. He communes with us spirit to spirit. Right? Okay. So, in the scripture... God has given us an excellent example of the intimate relationship which He desires us to have with Him. So you won't have to have any questions about what does it look like? What's it supposed to be like? You won't have that question after today. He has shown us the relationship that He wants with us in Song of Songs. Some people say Song of Solomon. Some, you know, some translations say Song of Solomon. So the Song of Songs is this beautifully poetic description of the love between a man and woman, a husband and wife, and it sets forth the, the wooing of a peasant Shulamite woman by King Solomon. Okay, that's the example that's set in the scripture. And it displays their longing for one another. This beautiful longing. It is a a detailed description of romantic love between the bride and the husband. Whose bride are we? The church is the bride of Christ, okay? So we can take this, the church is the bride of Christ, Jesus is the husband, right? So we can take Song of Songs and we can apply it as a template for our relationship, the love relationship that we have with Christ, the intimate relationship that we have with Christ. And it provides a model for us. Song of Songs, it it shows a lot of things we're going to be focusing on one thing today. It, it shows God's love for Israel. It provides a model for the quality of the love between a husband and a wife, and in our case, the church and Christ. It displays Christ's love and his mercy for us and his zeal. When you read, When you read Song of Songs, you cannot miss the zeal, the zeal that the king has for his beloved. You are the beloved of Christ. You are the beloved, and he has a zeal for you. It describes how our love and our zeal should be toward him. Okay? So let's look first in Song of Songs how Christ loves the church. First, the Shulamite woman says to the king, her lover the king, in uh, Song of Songs 1, I'm going to go to verses 5 through 7. Dark am I, yet lovely, O daughters of Jerusalem. Dark like the tents of Kedar, like the tent curtains of Solomon. Do not stare at me because I am dark, because I am darkened by the sun. My mother's sons were angry with me and made me take care of the vineyards. My own vineyard I have neglected. Tell me, you whom I love, where you graze your flock and where you rest your sheep at midday, why should I be like a veiled woman beside the flocks of your friends? Okay, so she's very conscious, self-conscious, I guess, of her darkened skin, okay? This, you, can, uh, you can compare that to things in your own life that you might be self-conscious about or, or you know, feel concerned about. And he responds, this man responds to his beloved. In verses 9 through 11, he says, I liken you, my darling, to a mare harnessed to one of the chariots of Pharaoh. Your cheeks are beautiful with earrings, your neck with strings of jewels. We will make you earrings of gold studded with silver. Okay, so here, the woman, like I've just mentioned, she... She shows that she is self-conscious about her complexion compared to all the other fair maidens. Have you ever compared yourself to anyone and you felt like you've fallen short? Have you ever done that? Okay, so you don't need to do that. (laughs) When you're in Christ, you do not need to do that. That's not how he looks at you. He does not compare you to others. He created you beautifully. He loves the way he created you. He loves the way he created you. He created you with purpose, special purpose. So she's self-conscious, and the king does not desire her to feel that way. Do you know when you feel that way, God does not desire you to feel that way? He doesn't desire me to feel that way. He praises her beauty, He compares her to a mare among Pharaoh's chariots. Now, do you think a mare among all the chariot horses would stand out? Yes. Yes. He emphasizes that uniqueness of her. He emphasizes her beauty. He promises to clothe her in jewels. Do you see God's heart for you? Do you understand the beauty that he sees in you? Hello? Are you getting his heart for you? So he promises to clothe her in jewels of gold and silver. And what are those? Well, those are the promises of God in our life, right? You can, you can read this, and you can read the promises of God. And you don't need to say those aren't for me. All you have to do is is develop a love relationship with your Jesus. So, this passage reminds us that Christ's love for us, it is so pure, it is so intimate, it is so passionate that he chooses to see the beauty and the good in you. Not the mistakes, not the shame. You understand what I'm saying? Not the things where you're comparing yourself to someone else and you think you're falling short. That's not where he's looking. Instead of the things that, you know, that we see that might make us feel self-conscious. When we are in Christ, the things that we see as shortcomings and mistakes, he turns into strength and beauty when we allow him to. When we understand His love for us, right? And what's the be- one of the best ways to understand His love for you is to spend time with Him. To spend time with Him. So we're not shamed when we come to Him because He always affirms our value, that you are valuable to Him. He died for you. I I, I don't I don't know how we could. Ever understand that and think that we are not valuable to him. You are valuable to him. So anyway, the, the man here speaks of the beloved's beauty, and then in verse fifteen he says, How beautiful you are, my darling. Oh how beautiful. Your eyes are doves. That is that's gorgeous. So then secondly, we have to look at, well, how are we supposed to have zeal for Jesus? How are we supposed to love him? We are, in in Song of Songs, chapter 2, the woman speaks forth her desire and her adoration for the king. And we are to cultivate this same type of adoration, this same type of zeal for our Christ. We are to go after Christ with, with a passion and a, a, a vigor. Go after him with a vigor. So th- this section speaks basically of the yearning in our souls for union with our Jesus. The, because when God created you, he created you with a yearning for him. Are you going to answer that yearning? He would be an unjust father if he created us, expecting us to have relationship with him. If he didn't create us with a, a yearning in us Amen. to know him. Um, and, you know, that, that yearning, it will never be complete without going after Jesus That's why when someone has a particular call on their lives, for instance, and they don't follow that call, that's that's very disconcerting. You you understand what I'm saying? He creates all of us to yearn yearn for him, and he calls all of us. So Song of Songs, chapter 2, verses 3 through 13, listen. Like an apple tree among the trees of the forest, is my lover among the young men. Okay, this is her. So this is us. This is how we um, should feel about Jesus. This is how we yearn for Jesus. I delight to sit in his shade, and his fruit is sweet to my taste. So sitting, here we go, sitting in fellowship with Christ, learning of him, his wisdom, his ways. Do you see that? Okay. He has taken me to the banquet hall, and his banner over me is love. In other words, his banner is my protection. His banner is my deliverance. His banner over me is my supply. Our hearts, that's where our hearts should be. Your banner over me, Lord, is what I quest for. Your banner over me, your love over me is the banquet that I'm drawn to. It is the banquet that I desire, where I desire to come and dine with you. He has spread the banquet. Are you going to come and dine? That's really what it comes down to. Strengthen me with raisins, refresh me with apples, for I am faint with love. Do you hear the yearning? Do you hear the longing? Do you hear the zeal for her king? Do you hear what, you know, the passion for for her love? Christ, our love. Strengthen me with raisins, refresh me with apples, for I am faint with love. His left arm is under my head and his right arm embraces me. Daughters of Jerusalem, I charge you by the gazelles and by the does of the field. Do not arouse or awaken love until it so desires. Listen, my lover, look, here he comes. Do 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 you hear the anticipation in her heart? Here he comes, here comes my Jesus. Hello, This is the bride in Christ. Can you feel that? Listen, my lover, look, look. Here he comes, leaping across the mountain, bounding over the hills. My lover is like a gazelle or a young stag, look. There he stands behind our wall, gazing through the windows, peering through the lattice. Think about this, beloved. Think about the anticipation of Christ. Not only Christ, of course Christ, you know, when he comes on the clouds and we're all going to go with him. But we're talking about in our everyday lives now to have this passionate anticipation to be in communion with Jesus all day long, every day. It's totally available. Remember when David said, when can I go into your courts? What's the answer to that? The answer is any time you want. That's the answer to that question. His arms are always open. Then verses 10 through 13, again, give us Christ's heart for the bride. My lover spoke and said to me, Arise, my darling, my beautiful one, and come with me. Do you know that's what the Lord is saying to you every single day? Come with me. I'm going to take you into the land of milk and honey every day. I'm going to remove you from the chaos of this world every day. I will show you my peace. I will show you my mercy. I will show you my loving kindness. Every moment of every day, just come on with me. Just, just come with me. Come with me. See The winter is past. The rains are over and gone. Flowers appear on the earth. This is us in fellowship with the Lord. The season of singing has come. The cooing of doves is heard in our land. Do you want to walk through this? Do you want this to be your atmosphere? You see that? This is the atmosphere that Jesus gives us no matter what's going on around out there. The cooing of doves is heard in our land. The fig tree (laughs) forms its early fruit. The blossoming vines spread their fragrance. Arise, come, my darling, my beautiful one, come with me. Do you hear his beckoning heart toward you? His heart beckons you. You are his joy. Communion with you is his joy. Christ is ever beckoning us with a heart of love, with a heart of compassion, with a heart of passion and mercy, loving kindness. He desires intimacy with you over all else. And we must be as zealous for him as he is for us, right? We need to be as zealous for Jesus as he is for us. As zealous for the Father as he is for us. As zealous for Holy Spirit as he is for us. God is so zealous for us. Now you think about this. Think about this. He is so zealous for you that he sent his son Jesus to die for you. Can you think of... Anything more zealous than that. Have you ever sent a a child of yours to go die for somebody? Can you imagine what that would take? Can you imagine the zeal in, in God's heart to do that for you? No, I mean, really, really think about it. In real life, this happened. In real time, this happened. Listen to Isaiah 9, 6, and 7. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, Jesus. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and holding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. Look what accomplished this. Listen, this is the scripture. It says, The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Okay, this was in Isaiah, so it says will, but we know now it has been, right? But what accomplished this? The zeal of the Lord for you, you, individually, personally. His zeal is what did that. His zeal accomplished what would seem to be totally unimaginable in our lives. I can't imagine doing that. Sending your son to be crucified for people who would hate him. So I want to I explain to you what zeal is defined as in Noah Webster's 19, or 1828 dictionary. Listen, this will bless you. Zeal is a passionate ardor in the pursuit of a thing. A passionate ardor in the pursuit of a thing. So right here we can see that God had passionate ardor in pursuing you in pursuing me. What does ardor mean? Listen, this this is amazing. Ardor literally means heat. Heat. Think about hot pursuit. Think about that. Ardor means heat such as like the ardor of the sun's rays. Think about how hot the sun's rays are. Okay, well he had that passion. He had that hot pursuit. He has that hot pursuit for you. Are you going to have that hot pursuit of him? That's really the question. So zeal is heat Applied to our passions. Heat applied to our affections. Heat applied to our pursuits. So are you going to pursue Jesus with heated passion? I'm trying to light a fire in y'all today. Maybe I need to start talking louder. (laughs) Okay, so how do we develop this, folks? How do we develop this zeal, this passionate ardor for Jesus? We have to have eyes for him. We have to have eyes for him. Okay? What we spend time on in our lives becomes our love. It really does. What we spend time with will become our love. It will become our passion. Okay? Well, and so what we have an interest in becomes our focus, right? What are we going to focus on? And I know everybody, you know, always uses the examples of social media, social media, and TV, but you know it's the truth. So it's okay if I use one of those examples, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> because it's the truth. Um, so whatever becomes, you know, this is kind of a um, a cyclical. Thing because whatever becomes our passion, then okay, whatever we spend time on becomes our passion, and whatever becomes our passion, we spend time on more and more. Am I correct? Yeah, and so this becomes a self fulfilling prophecy in our lives, like this circular cycle that we put in motion in our own lives. It's something we put in motion by our choices. Nobody forces you to do this. It's our choice. And, and when we make those choices, we become the prophets of our own lives. You see how that works? What you spend your time on, you are prophesying into your own life. That's really what it comes down to. So what do you want to prophesy? What do you want to place In your own life and so we have to be very careful that we choose to prophesy the upward spiral into God rather than the downward descent into dryness you see how that works because if you're going to be focusing on the world and the things of the world you're gonna end up pretty dry and you don't want to be dry You want to be a river of life flowing from the throne room of God. That's what you want. And that's what you're designed to be. You are designed to be the river of life of Christ Jesus flowing from the very throne room of God. From the very throne. Remember the river comes out from under his throne? Okay. So, we can set our sights on the world. And we're going to reap, if you, not you, nobody in here is going to do this. But some people choose to set their sights on the world, and then they reap the fruit of the world, and then they're somewhat astonished, which is really astonishing. (laughs) So let's look at an example. I'm going to give you a couple examples, which are, Amazing. The average person, not you, because I know all you are way above average, okay? But the average person, including millennials, spends 18 hours a week on social media. 18 hours. The average Gen Zer spends over four hours a day on social media. That is 28 hours per week. That's a part-time job. That's a part-time job. 28 hours a week nowadays is a part-time job. Can you imagine if even only half of that time were spent with the Lord? Were spent praising the Lord or studying the word or in fellowship about God? Can you, just half of that time, even half of that time. Can you imagine how much more growth, how much more, how, how much more, okay, I want to say that we're hearing from God because he's always talking to us, but it's, a, it's are we going to listen, okay? Um, but can you imagine if, if just half of that were spent with him, the relationship that you could develop with him in that time? I mean, think about your husband or your wife or think about your kids or your friends. It takes time to develop relationships to know one another, to come into intimacy, to come into knowledge of one another. Okay? It takes time. Okay, let's go to TV. The average person, you're not average, okay, I know. The average person watches three hours of TV per day. That's 141 hours a month. That's 1,692 hours in a year. So get this, this is really going to shock you. And hopefully it'll shock everyone into realizing what a waste of time all this is. When we've got eternity to think about. And Not only do we have eternity to think about, we have our own souls to think about. And we have the fact to think about that as we develop our relationship with, with the Lord and get the chaos out of our own souls, that we're going to be a blessing to the people around us. Okay? So the average, if you go by these figures, 1,692 hours a year, and you you take a 78-year-old person, a 78-year-old person, given these numbers, will have spent 15 years just watching TV. Now you tell me anything on TV is worth that. That's 15 years of life. That's 15 years of the time that you have been given on this planet to do something for the Lord. To help another person. To share Jesus. To get to know him better. I mean, that's disgusting. It really is. It's really disgusting. Talk about a total waste of time. What you spend your time on, you develop more and more craving for. Have you ever noticed when you go on YouTube or something like that, and and you can just do it one time. You can look at something. And do you know how all of a sudden it just starts feeding you that kind of material? It's after you. (laughs) The world is after you. And you got to say no. You need to say no. What you feed on, you attract. I mean, that's just the way it is. Because you're developing your own passion. So a, what, why does the scripture say? As a person thinketh in his heart, or her heart, so he or she becomes. Is that correct? Yeah. So, we can either do life that way, or we can set our minds and our hearts on the things abo- above and be ushered into the divine nature and the divine presence and the glory and the infilling and the river of life that God has for us. God has no sorrow for you, He only has the goodness of God for you. But we have to make certain choices. Colossians 3, 1 through 3. Since then, listen, this is you in Christ. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. You've been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above. Where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God, set your minds on things above. Set your hearts on things above. Set your minds on things above. Not on earthly things. For you died in Christ when you chose Christ, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. We must every day make a choice to stay hidden in Christ, to stay hidden in him. Second Peter 1, 3 and 4. His divine power has given us Everything we need. You have been given, we just studied this several weeks back. You have been given everything you need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him. So I want to learn more about him. I want to spend time getting to know him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, He has given us His very great and precious promises so that through them, you and I may participate in the divine nature. He has called you. He has given you the capacity. He has given you the wherewithal. He has given you the means to participate in His divine nature. No less you enter his divine nature he has given it to you and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires so if we want it's it's a gift This is given by his grace and his goodness, entrance into his divine nature. But if we want to participate in his promises, if we want to participate in that, to the fullness of Christ, because you are meant to walk in the fullness of Christ in your life. And if we then want to, if we want to do that and truly escape from the chaos of this world, we must commit. We must commit to Jesus. And I'm not talking about just getting saved. You know that. I'm talking about zeal. I'm talking about zeal to go after the things of God in our lives. You know, don't cry about not seeing his word fulfilled in your life if you're not willing to commit to spend time with him. Don't don't cry about it. Sorry, that was kind of mean, wasn't it? I'm not trying to be mean. Sometimes the truth hurts a little bit, though, doesn't it? (laughs) But I love you, and he loves you. That's why he says all this stuff, you know. So, what we do with the divine nature—that's what. What are we going to do with that divine nature that has been planted in us, that's been graced to us? That goodness, that mercy, the very character of God infusing our spirits when we are born again. Are we going to meet that with the same zeal that God has for us? I want to meet that. I want to I I embrace that with the same zeal that he has for me. You see that? Will we make zeal for Christ Okay, you're going to learn where this is really a part of the armor of God. It's not one that's normally talked about. It's, it's the way I look at it. But the zeal of Christ is really part of your armor. Okay, I'm going to show you the scripture. Isaiah 59, 17. Isaiah 59, 17. And he, the Lord, put on righteousness. Listen, does this sound like armor? Righteousness like a breastplate and the helmet of salvation on his head, and he put on garments of vengeance for clothing, and he wrapped himself with zeal as a mantle. What is a mantle? If if the Lord is going to wrap himself with zeal as a mantle, it's an armor that we have to fight the good fight. He fights for us with zeal. He has fought for you with zeal. He offered Jesus for you with zeal. Don't tell me he's not fighting for you every moment with zeal. With zeal. It is a mantle It's that mantle of zeal right there in that last line, the zeal as a mantle, that I am really interested in here. A mantle is a great cloak, it's wrapped around, it envelops the wearer. Zeal can be our armor. My zeal for God, my zeal for Jesus is my armor. If I'm going to have a zeal for him, I am not going to have a zeal for the world. It is going to be this armor, this mantle that I wear that envelops me. God wraps himself in zeal for us, and we need to wrap ourselves in zeal for him. The zeal of the Lord, his zeal for us, assures us of this intense love that he has for us. He has an intense love for you, an unstoppable devotion. He has this unstoppable, this unbreakable devotion for you. He has a relentless commitment to you. Relentless commitment to each and every one of you and to me. So that he can, through you, you know, it protects you, for one. It strengthens you. It helps you. But then through you, it helps. Through you, he finishes his plans. He accomplishes the plans that he has for you. If you'll step into that river with him, right? All you got to do is agree with him. His zeal protects us. It provides for us. It brought us salvation. Isaiah 37, 32. Listen to this. For out of Jerusalem will come a remnant. Who are you? If you are a believer in Christ, who are you? Yes. This is you. This is talking about you. For out of Jerusalem will come a remnant. And out of Mount Zion, a band of survivors. Are you going to be in his band of survivors? I am. I am. I am his remnant. I am in his band of survivors. I am in his army. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Do you see what his zeal for you does? Have you ever thought about that before? Thank you, Lord. Thank you that you have this zeal for me. His zeal fights for you. God is zealous for you, and he wears that zeal as a mantle on your behalf, and he expects us to do the same. Well, we should want to do the same, right? We should want to do the same. To wrap ourselves in a mantle of zeal for him, passionate, wholehearted, Heated devotion, heated passion for him, heated affection toward him, ardor, vigor toward him. When we do that, when we do that, when we commune with him, things go so much better. You get that? It's our protection, it's our supply. I mean, who wouldn't want to be in the presence of so loving a father? So anyway, that's what the Lord told me to share with you today. So I hope that was a blessing to you. We're going to take communion, so if you don't have communion, and I'd like to give before the communion, actually, I'd like to give any